Hello and welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Alongside me is my sister, Erin. Join us as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Erin, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> this look good through a screen. I know. Yeah. This episode feels a little different. Feels a little different. Yep. I've, uh... I've made made a move, and we are no longer able to sit across the table from each other. Yep. It's weird. It's very weird. But we're here. We're and here. Hopefully you all can hear me talk, because I don't really know. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not the best with recording over the video, but I'm getting, uh, I'm getting signals. Okay. I'm getting right. a volume bar that says you're being being heard, so we'll find out. Okay. We'll find out. Um, yeah, we were just talking about um, we we're just talking about kind of the end of summer before we before we jumped on. How it's yeah. summer just I think it's just because of the heat. It just feels a lot longer than the other seasons. Yeah, I agree. It's like. I feel like we've been here for a while. Yeah, it's, it's not just, even August. I know, and it's just the same. It just feels like it's the same over and over and over again. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for even though where I am it'll still be hot, uh, for a while. Um, I'm excited for a bit different, uh, bit different pattern, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh. Really looking for, like, I just had to think about the other, it was just so hot. It was just so hot. You couldn't, like, I didn't even know what to wear. Like, I ended up, I had a really cute outfit on, and I was like, I'm not wearing that, because I'm going to sweat right through it. I just wore, like, workout clothing. It, 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 it's, it's, no, it's, it's true. It's one of those things where you, you can't wear, like, super nice things, because you're just going to. You're just gonna suffer. Yeah. You almost and, and honestly, like in the heat, you have to wear like looser clothing. You do. Like your body needs to be able to breathe. Yep. Like, yeah, you can't wear like. I just want to be able to wear what I want to wear, and I can only do that when the temperature's like below sixty. So, <laughs> I have all my boots ready. Yeah, well, that's so why. That's why in like the Middle East they wear. Um, I know it's, I know it's not called a, I know it's not a robe, but it's like a flowing, uh, a flowing outfit. Like it's, there's, there's room to, there's room to wiggle if you will. Yep. Yeah. Even like, you know, construction workers and whatnot, they just wear like long, like t-shirts Yeah. and like long pants, but it's all too big on them. Yeah. But it's like, it's just, you have to. Yeah, if it's too tight on your body, your yeah, your skin doesn't breathe and it sucks. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Um, so we uh, I, I, we always um, find the uh, weirdness of like not not weirdness um, strangeness of like religious figures mm-hmm. interesting like i know we've talked about the um what was the uh 
the time traveling, um, the chrono, uh, the Vatican yeah. time, the chrono, what was it called? Oh. Chrono, chronovisor, chronovisor. Chronovisor, yeah. yes. The chronovisor, um, which the Vatican supposedly has, um, uh, so stuff like that. Um, and I know we've done, a t we've done the, um, Sorry, my brain is moving very slow today. Um, we've done the alternative birth of Jesus, which I don't even know if we, uh, which I don't even know if we covered correctly because it was so difficult. It was so insane with uh, different different people traveling through time portals and. Uh, <laughs> and it was the most extreme alternative story, and that's what we covered. So. It was. It was. It was so extreme. I don't even know. We should. We should listen to it again and maybe do like a part two this Christmas. We should. That probably wouldn't be a bad idea because yeah. um, I know we missed some things because it was. So, <laughs> it was so abstract. Uh, mm -hmm. But having said that, we um, we're going to talk about some bilocating saints. As well as yeah. a term that I just heard the other a couple months ago called um, cephalophores. And these are saints that get their heads cut off, but then their heads still talk after they're cut off. And Honestly, they... I think that's going to be me. You're like, just going to keep talking? Yeah. Like, if I do die by decapitation, I think my head will be like, we're not done here. It would definitely be our mom. That would definitely it, happen to her. 100%. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to go into that. Um, Aaron, I believe you had some more grounded... Um, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah, you had to keep us grounded. You had some more grounded stories. <laughs> so, let's start with, uh, let's start with yeah. yours. We'll, we'll get warmed up before we... Exactly. Probably also butcher this topic like we did the alternative <laughs> lives of Jesus. Most likely. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so a couple lists that I found that are just pretty interesting. So this one is 15 unusual saints. Um, and they're like, I don't know what my view of saints are, but I didn't know it was the scope was so wide. I'm like, yeah, I, well, be a saint. Saints, yeah, saints are a weird one to me, um, especially the ones that go back like thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Not so much like the apostles, because they, you know, I think for the most part they've been recorded through history. But like, I was just reading one of like a nine-year-old who had his head cut off. Right. And I'm like, okay. How did he? How did he become a saint? But I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So my favorite um, is listed at number five on here, but his he's Saint Drago, Drogo, Drogo, Drogo. Yeah, he was so afflicted by a mystery ailment that made him physically repulsive that he's now considered the patron saint of unattractive people. Wow. Entirely unrelatedly, he's also the patron saint of coffee houses. <laughs> I don't know. Is that but is that mutually exclusive or no? <laughs> <laughs> I 
think because i go to a lot of coffee houses yeah yeah like he's busy for sure um he only relates to us because coffee houses obviously were very attractive so yeah we got good jeans yeah mm-hmm. um this is saint erasmus mm-hmm. he's a bishop of formia in modern day italy he went through quite an ordeal during the Roman Empire's persecution of the Christians in the 3rd and 4th centuries. Initially captured and imprisoned sometime in the late 200s, he is said to have been freed by an angel when he then fled to Turkey to continue his preaching. Just another day at the office, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arrested a second time, however, his undying faith so angered the Emperor Maximian that he had him beaten, whipped, placed in a barrel of spikes, and rolled down a hill. Wow. Covered covered in pitch and set alight, and finally, after he had somehow miraculously survived, his stomach cut open, and his intestines wound around a winch. It's for that latter torture that he is now considered the patron saint of stomach ailments, colic, and appendicitis. Well, I might need to pray to him. <laughs> After this That's McDonald's, I just ate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, could you imagine? Could you imagine the anger though of if if you're that Roman torturing this guy and he doesn't die? Like, could yeah. you imagine the anger of like that not working? Right. That's what I'm saying. Also, like, you know, when Jesus was like on the cross and yeah. they're like, "We're done. We got him." Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's the same reaction. It is. Like, got to be a bit of got to be a bit of frustration there. Uh huh. You know. I mean, in their eyes, they were the same. Like they were just, you know, people they were crucifying. Or That's true. That's true. They didn't. So. Yeah, they didn't know the difference. But at the same time. Yeah. Um. So this is Saint Rita. Comes in at thirteen. Um, despite wanting to be a nun, St. Rita's parents forced her to marry when she was 12. Through her husband, she became embroiled in a bitter feud between two local families. The feud eventually led her, led to her husband's murder and the deaths of both her sons. Because of her lifetime of disappointments, difficulty, and setbacks, she's now considered the patron saint of the impossible. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, it sounded like Romeo and Juliet there for a second. I know. It really did. Oh, this is... This is a weird one, too. St. Januarius. Okay. A, a vial of blood belonging to St. Januarius, a 3rd century bishop of Naples, was saved after his death in 305. The blood is the subject of a long-standing miracle that claims, despite its age... That it liquefies on three dates in the year. September 19th, December 16th, and the Saturday before the first Sunday in May. (laughs) What? (laughs) For that reason, Januarius is the patron saint of blood banks. That... Uh, see that this is what I'm talking about with the... uh, And with the randomness of of sainthood. Like... Uh How... I know. How? And where is this vial of blood? (laughs) 
Is this also in the Vatican archives? <laughs> we just Honestly, have to. We just have well, to trust see. them. There was a link in here. Oh. I mean, damn. Page does not exist anymore. Well, mm, maybe the vibe classic. Is gone. Hold on, let's see if we. Everything you should know about the liquefaction of Saint Januarius's blood. The blood is kept in two glass ampules in the chapel of the treasury of the Naples Cathedral. Okay. The church believes it's a miracle that, you know, the blood turns to liquid. Yep. I mean... The liquefaction can take days, but sometimes it doesn't happen at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they were like, for the third date, they were like, we don't know the day. Yeah, yeah, it's just the, th it's was just it, the, the third <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> oh, just my God. Just to find God. some, like rhyme or reason to it yeah i don't know yeah yeah they That's, have they even have dates in here of when the blood did not amplify or liquefy uh-huh mm, damn oh, well in, go ahead i was gonna say in this other the other list of the 15 like crazy Catholic miracles that his liquefying blood is one of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says, um, uh, he served as a bishop of Naples until his decapitation at the hands of persecutors around the eight through five. After his beheading, a woman allegedly collected blood from his body and placed it in a container. Eight years after his death, the first blood miracle of St. Januarius occurred. The blood miracle is still reported and was captured on video in 2015. This wow. is an interesting one. I won't dwell on it, but um, <laughs> could it be a temperature thing? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Right. You know, if it gets if it gets below or above a certain temp, because I know. Right. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, it says how the Catholic Church explains when it fails to liquefy is. They take it as a warning about impending disasters, and they said on multiple occasions where it did not liquefy, it was linked to earthquakes, disease outbreaks, war, and the Nazi occupation of Italy. Oh, well, that's nice. So, hope that shit liquefies. Yeah, well, it didn't. It did not liquefy in 2020. So. Oh shit. <laughs> the Catholics might be on to something. Catholics here. are on to something. They got this one right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said, like, scientists want to test it and whatnot, but the Catholic Church refuses. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But, um, one scientist suggests it's a material with a low melting point, mm. which allows it to remain dry until it re it's removed from its altar and held by priests, you know, so when it warms up. Yeah. Um, spectrographic tests run on the vial in 1902 and 1989 revealed hemoglobin present inside though it's possible for some dyes to, pre to present themselves as the blood protein mm. Mm. sketchy sketchy yep all right well I'll, I'll just read one more of these yeah um mysteries but uh this one is the virgin of guadalupe have you heard of this oh yeah this is a classic one yep 
So, for three days in December of 1531, the Virgin Mary supposedly appeared to Aztec Juan Diego during his trek through Mexico. Bathed in light, Mary came to him, explained her wish to have a church built where she was standing, and asked Diego to take her message to the bishop. Diego did as she asked, traveling to the home of Fray Juan de Zumaraga, but he failed to convince the bishop. After a second visit with Mary and another attempt at getting this church built, the bishop asked Diego for proof of Mary's appearance. On this third encounter with Mary, she instructed Diego to fill his tilma, a type of cloak, with roses cut from a snowy hillside where flowers normally did not grow in December. When Diego returned to the bishop and allowed the roses to fall from his tilma, a painting of the Virgin Mary appeared on the fabric, just as Diego had described to the bishop. Skeptics theorized the Spanish fabricated a miracle to convert Aztecs to Catholicism with the apparition's insistence of being called Santa Maria de Guadalupe, but the Spanish did not write of the miracle until 1548, and supposedly the influx of Aztecs converting began in 1531, so 17 years prior to them even writing of this. The image of Santa Maria de Guadalupe has not degraded over the centuries. Testing showed the garment was made of hemp, explaining its longevity. Mm, hemp, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> this says a photographer named Alfonso Mar Marquet claimed in 1929 that he noticed the reflection of a bearded man in the painting's red eye. In 1956, an ophthalmologist named Dr. Javier... I don't even need to say these, it's just fun. Yeah, I know. And I, I do not know how to say that last name, but Dr. Javier also believed there was a reflection of the painted eyes of Mary. Peruvian engineer spent 20 years attempting to unlock the truth about this representation of the bearded man, claiming mm. the supposed image has not been painted by human hand. Wow. Okay. Interesting. It's like the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody keeps going back and forth on it. Yeah. It's like maybe we just let it be. Let it be, exactly. <laughs> Guess that's why they call it belief. <clears throat> yep. Um, those, wow, those are good. Those are good. Um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, wanted to do? Um, if there was one saint. Let me. Oh yeah. Okay. Saint George the Dragon Slayer. Hell yeah. It's an yeah. uh, English saint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he basically he was just like ended up being it said that like the stories are vague and there's conflicting accounts, but um, I think we've I think we've uh I think we've addressed that all these stories are incredibly yeah. vague. <laughs> um but he he ended up confronting the emperor that persecuted him. Um, and that apparently went really bad, but it was basically how his faith like never budged and he had like a very lengthy time suffering, but, um, after his death, it said that he had actually slain a mighty dragon mm. and that a lot of people think the show, the Witcher is based off of this account. 
Oh, this really? Story. Yeah. Interesting. Guess there's a lot of similarities, but just uh, just uh, the Witcher was a game before it was. A, it was uh, a show. game. Yeah, it was. It, originally, uh, it was a it was a video game. Yeah. So, I guess game based on I don't know. Um, would make sense though, because he's yeah. a he is a he is a monster hunter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, they say um, they say Saint Patrick. Uh, obviously, St. Patrick's Day, um, mm -hmm. is actually just the, um, the Romans going into Britain and killing all of the pagans. Right. Because the story of St. Patrick is he, he banished snakes from Ireland. Right. But in reality, most likely, it's that he just, they killed all the pagans. Yeah. Uh, Um, it's a damper on that day, but yeah, yeah, definitely, especially over here. Um, <laughs> but there are two sides to every story, so yep. Um, cool. Those are all good ones. Honestly, most of them I didn't know, except for the last two. Yeah. So that's sweet. Um, okay, so I'm gonna do some by location stories, and then um, and then a couple of these cephalophore stories. Um, so first off, starting out with the big one, uh, Padre Pio. So Padre Pio was a Italian priest who was famous for his many different psychic gifts by location. Um, Padre Pio spent most of his life as an ordained priest in San Giovanni Rotondo in Italy. Um... He never left that location during the last decades of his life. Witnesses reported see him, seeing him in other places all over the world, though. He spent hours every day praying and meditating. He helped start many prayer groups across the world and said of meditation, Through the study of books, one sees God. By meditation, one finds him. So, a very... Um, monastic figure, if you will. Like, very... Um, very rigid in his almost 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 sounds like stories you would hear of like Tibetan monks like praying for hours on end. So um, the most famous of these bilocation stories are um, during the bombings in World War II over Italy in 1943 and 1944. Allied bombers from several different missions returned to their bases without dropping the bombs they had planned to drop because they reported that a man matching Padre Pio's description appeared in the air outside of their planes right in front of their guns. The bearded priest waved his hands and arms frantically in gestures to stop while looking at them with eyes that seemed to be lit with flames of fire. American and British pilots and crew members from different squadrons swapped stories about their experiences with Padre Pio. So, crazy. Wow. And no bombs were dropped on the area of San Giovanni Rotondo. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's a that's a that's a famous one. And there's actually a movie coming out with um, Shia LaBeouf plays Padre Pio. Oh wow! But um, yeah, so. There's that. Um, okay. 
Mary of Agreda was a Spanish nun who had been declared venerated, which is a step in the process of becoming a saint. She wrote about mystical experiences and became known for her own experiences with them through bilocation. So Mary was cloistered inside a monastery in Spain. She, however, reported to various... Uh, she, she however reported. Ugh. Moving too fast. You got it. I'm moving too fast. Brain's moving too fast. The mouth is moving too slow. She appeared on various occasions to people in the Spanish colonies in the area that would now become the U.S. Angels helped transport her to the New World from 1620 to 1631. She said. So she could speak directly to Native Americans from the Jumano tribe living in what is n- what is now New Mexico and Texas, sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ with them. Angels translated her conversations with members of the Jumano tribe. Mary said, so even though they spoke only Spanish and they spoke only their tribal language, they could still understand each other's languages. Yeah. Um, Some of the Jumano people contacted priests in the area saying that there was a lady dressed in blue that had urged them to ask the priest questions about faith. Mary always dressed in blue (laughs) since that was the color of her religious order's cape. Um, Church officials investigated reports of Mary bilocating to the New World. On more than 500 separate occasions over 11 years. So she was a busy nun. Um, They concluded that there was ample evidence that she had actually bilocated. Uh, So, sounds like the jury's out. Um, Not quite sure. Yeah, not quite sure. It doesn't quite say where they stand on that, so. Yeah. Well... It's uh, very possible. Yeah, I mean, how are you gonna, how are you gonna investigate that first of all? Right. Like, you know, find the exact person that she bilocated to. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't believe it one way or the other. Then I didn't experience it, but you know, right. that, that's gonna be a tough one to to nail down. Right. Uh, okay. Saint Martin de Porres. Um, a Peruvian monk never left his monastery in Lima, Peru after he joined as a lay brother. Also, never left his monastery in Lima, Peru. Can you imagine? No. I, 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 I can't, I can't not leave my house like one day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that would, I mean, that's next level. It's mm-hmm. next level. However, Martin traveled all over the world through bilocation. Over many years, people in Africa, Asia, Europe, and North America reported interacting with Martin and only later discovering that he hadn't actually left Peru during those encounters. A friend of Martin's from Peru once asked Martin to pray for his upcoming business trip to Mexico. A business trip in the late 1500s, mind you. Yeah, I think that's the word they yeah, use. Yeah. But. I mean, it's a long trip. 
Yeah. Uh, the man got severely ill and after praying to God for help was surprised to see Martin arrive at his bedside. Martin didn't comment on what brought him to Mexico. He simply helped care for his friend and then left. After his friend recovered, he tried to find where Martin was staying in Mexico but couldn't and then discovered that he had not left Peru the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Um... Another incident involved Martin visiting the Barbary Coast in North Africa to encourage and help care for prisoners there. When one of the men who had seen Martin there later met Martin at his monastery in Peru, he thanked him for his work in the African prisons and learned that Martin had never left Peru. <laughs> Jeez. Can you imagine the shock? Like, you're a prisoner slave in North Africa, and then you find the guy that you... That helped you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> only, to, only for him to tell you that he never actually left. So he doesn't even know. He's when they buy locate, they don't even know that they are somewhere else either. Like that's a good question. Uh, they don't say. Um. Yeah, they don't say. Like so, they're not aware that they have like gone to a different location. Well, I don't know. It sounds like it did, cause that, cause that woman, that woman was like communicating with the tribes members. So, and there's, there's always like an agenda. Like they always wanna. Mm -hmm. So I, I think. Okay. It could be like an out of body thing too. Like. Right. You know, people claim that they're able to project out of their body while they're sleeping or whatever. Uh huh. So it might be that as well. I watched a really bizarre show on netflix it was like a psychological thriller i cannot remember what it was called but it had the like a big part of it was when these people would like fall asleep they would leave their body uh-huh and go somewhere else yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about yep yeah so yeah i don't know that was freaky though because there's like people really think they can do that yeah i know and like have legit stories of it i'm like nope yeah, I'm good. I have a hard enough time sleeping, so just let me sleep. <laughs> My dreams are weird enough, yeah. Okay, last one here. Um, this is St. Lindwine of Sheedham. She lived in the Netherlands, where she fell after ice skating one day at the age of 15, and was so severely injured that she became bedridden. Must have been a, that must have been a savage fall. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lindwine who was also, or sorry, who also showed the symptoms of m multiple sclerosis before that disease was identified to, uh, was identified by doctors served as a patron saint of people suffering from chronic illness. <clears throat> okay. But Lindwine didn't let her physical challenge limited her, limit her from what her soul wanted to do. Yeah. Once when the director of St. Elizabeth Monastery came to visit Lindwine at her home where she was bedridden. Lindwine gave a detailed description of her monastery. Surprised, the director asked Lindwine how she could know so much about what the monastery looked like when she had never actually been there before. Lindwine replied that she had, in fact, been there many times. She was traveling um, to other locations through ecstatic trances. Wow. Yeah, and, and ecstatic trances... Similar to bilocating. So. 
Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, again, great stories. Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah. obviously, it's very metaphysical. Like you have to uh-huh. you you have to let your mind um, go to a different different place to even begin to think about what could actually be happening. So, yeah, um, it's out of our physical reality, basically. Yeah, can't even understand it, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about some head carrying head carrying saints. Awesome, um, my favorite kind. Yes, indeed. So, initially, this article talks about um, justice. Um, so Saint Justice was nine year old nine years old when his head was cut off for being a Christian in third century France. Um, there are accounts of heads being cut off but still moving, like in reality, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. When yeah. a head cuts off when a head is cut off, it's not like boom, you're dead. Like mm-hmm. Well, you may be dead, but the head is still in in motion. So yeah. But Justice took it a step further. <clears throat> Justice's body picked up his head, which spoke a few words of prayer. Um. Freaked out the soldiers who had killed him, and they fled. And then Justice's father, apparently, found his son's body in this state, sitting with his head in his lap. Um, The head spoke to his father, asking that it be brought to his mother. His head um, would become a holy object worthy of veneration. Um, Another another, uh, saint from France, St. Denis, it's either St. Denis or St. I doubt it's St. Denis. I think it's St. Denis. St. <laughs> Denis of Paris um, is considered the most famous for carrying his head the six miles from where he was killed to the spot of his basilica. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, not only did he have to walk six miles, but he carried his head the whole time, which I guess makes sense because you got to see where you're going. So, um, yeah, six miles though. Six miles. Yep. And apparently, his head preached the entire way. (laughs) (laughs) Just giving a full fledged sermon for six miles. That is unreal. Yeah. So that's that's a great one. Um, there's also, uh, uh, I think it's Guinea or Guinness, uh, Guinness de Lahara, who threw his own, who threw his own head in the Rhone and Winifred of Wales, whose head rolled down a hill and was later reattached to her body. <laughs> <laughs> so throws his head in the river, and then Winifred' uh, head is rolled down a hill, and then r- returns to her body. Wow, crazy! Um, yeah, so these are just some. 
these are just some examples. Apparently, there's 120 such cephalophores who are martyred by beheading, but yet they don't die. Um, now, apparently, Christian saints are not the only Europeans whose heads have kept on living after they were separated from their bodies. The Celtic culture also had a fixation with heads, and some stories about pre-Christian Celts feature talking severed heads as well. And so... Similar to, I think, what I said earlier about the, about the Celts. Did these stories of headless Christian saints grow from an older Celtic stories? Or were they separate? Or were they both? Could be both. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the article, uh, the article just kind of goes on giving examples. It says, um, Christian saints are far from the first or last people whose headless bodies have been endowed with life. Uh, in Greek myth, Orpheus's head, torn from his body by the Maenads, continued to prophecy. In Welsh sagas, Bran's head asks that it be buried in a certain place in London, but before it's in the ground, entertains and guards his warriors through a decades-long feast in the other world. In the 14th century story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, Sir Gawain strikes the knight's head off his body, and the knight picks up his head and rides away with it. Um, so, you know. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. Um, who knows? You know. History, yeah. is, history is a tough one to pin down. <clears throat> but odds are it probably did come from some previous culture but it wouldn't be surprised if it also happened you know to yeah. some christian i mean i mean who the hell knows uh honestly like we can't even uh we can't even pin down like stories from like 50 years ago you know right so it's great stories um my yep. favorite is probably the um it's probably the guy who just threw his head in the river. Right. I think I'm going to go with that one. He, uh, that's probably what I would do, honestly. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I don't want to... It's so, it's so strange, too, because, like, you think you're holding something, so you should be able to see it, but what you're seeing is, like, what you would see anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Let's say all the senses are intact. Like, you're not seeing everything. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, if your head's, if you're holding your head in your, in your, in your lap, like, uh -huh. you obviously, you can't see your shoulders or your hands. Right. You can only see, like, you know, from your, your waist. Legs. I mean, I guess you could turn, I don't know. That'd be weird. <laughs> That'd be you can weird. Look at your own body. Yeah. Yeah, or like um, I get Medusa. Like they cut off the head of Medusa and use mm -hmm. they use it as a a thing to like turn into turn people into stone. Oh yeah. 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 There are there are yeah there are there are many stories of the head being alive. Mhm. Mm mm. Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. Yep. And like in just in like. 
old fairy tales and whatever, like, you know, like the talking mirrors. Yep. Yep. Where it's like just a head. Exactly. Or like headless things. Headless horsemen. In general. Yeah. Yep. Um, Came from somewhere. It did. It did. Like I said, I think I've said this on the podcast before. We don't create. We don't create things out of nothing. Yep. Like everything we do is referenced from something that we've experienced or yep. ingested. Right. We are Very not. Cool. <laughs> you know, we're not just create. Well, I guess I don't know. Some people, I guess, do, but even then, it's based on something they've either thought of or seen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, the stories come. Stories are built upon others, and actually finding the root source of things is very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good point. But good stories, nonetheless. Um, again, I, I, I mean, I believe it. I, I, yeah. I don't have any reason not to. I mean, they are outlandish, but. Well, who but am I? If these, if these people are divinely, yeah, exactly, or exactly, otherworldly, or like, you can't, yeah, you can't disprove it. So, if there's something beyond our physical existence, then mm-hmm. who am I to say that it can't? Yep. You know, keep someone alive longer than they need, the longer than they should be. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Sweet. Uh, any closing thoughts? No, I was just trying to think of anything just wild that I've read or heard. In the well, there was the uh, there was the woman claiming that she saw a shapeshifter on the airplane. Yes, that is that is transpired. Yeah, that one uh, that was a weird one. Yeah, and um, from what I know, they still haven't found her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love how none of the videos tried to get the people she was sitting with. Right, like you're not like, oh, what does that guy look like? Yeah, I'm not saying I would have done that either, but in hindsight, like if somebody (laughs) gets up out of their seat and is freaking out, I feel like if you're taking a video, you would want to like pay into their seat. Yeah, I mean, maybe they were, I agree. Maybe they were equally as freaked out. No, they probably were. They probably were. Um... I mean, I would be. Uh, yeah. It's just like if you're, I don't know. I, I would like to say I would, um, because I'm thinking like, you know, if there's a baby screaming on an airplane. Right. Like you're going to look at the people that are sitting right next to it. Yes. You know, so, yes. or if there's like, um, if someone has like an emergency, mm-hmm. like, someone faints like you're gonna look at the people right next to it right i don't know someone i met through my job has shared with me experiences of them also seeing shapeshifters oh really but they're like it's just like no one believes that you can actually see those things Mm. and i was like yeah i mean it's a pretty uncommon thing to like (laughs) It's not like... You don't say. Like, like, people don't talk about it. Like, they talk about, like... Yeah. Oh, I... Like, so-and-so thinks they saw a ghost. Or, like, it's just not as... Yeah, ghosts and shapeshifters are not on the same level. No. Not on the same level. Like, people just don't... 
I think it's really hard to believe people when they they're just it's just not talked about a lot. So. Well, yeah, and I mean, similar to what we just talked about with the heads, I mean, Western culture is very much detached from any resemblance of ancestors or the other world or any, even death itself. People are terrified of death. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to die, like, anytime soon, but at the same time, like, death and taxes... Only things, yep. only things guaranteed. Yep. Death and taxes. So. More and more taxes. More. <laughs> yeah, more so taxes than death. I feel like. Yeah, I mean nowadays we can just. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, people just shape shift and shit. Yeah. But. Yeah, um, I don't know. Think what else? There was a. We saw some videos. Um. In our little chat with uh, Sandman. Yep. Um, about you, I don't know if I I asked this and just didn't read the response, but they were, I guess, in about Antarctica, which we all just love. Great topic. Yeah. So, but those were interesting. I want to delve into those more, but just about like what is actually um, on Antarctica. Yes. Yeah. So um, I believe that. So initially, they were involved in some sort of symposium that Stephen Greer did. Oh. Doctor Stephen Greer, and then from that, this guy Sean Ryan, who's an ex Navy SEAL, uh, has a has a really long form podcast. Um, He had these guys on. These these. Wow. I almost said shapeshifter. (laughs) <laughs> these whistleblowers <laughs> and yeah, yeah not shapeshifters no that that would be pretty cool but no yeah. um yeah so he had um i don't know if pretty cool is the term but he had these whistleblowers on and they yeah one was talking about this uh technology he was claiming that yeah they have in antarctica that allows them to communicate instantaneously over light years because he was talking about um some type of quantum quantum entanglement yeah quantum entanglement entanglement yeah so it's again very scientific but basically it's like the electrons the electrons are linked so if you if there's an electron with me and you're in some galaxy 800 million light years away I can yeah. communicate with you because those electrons are paired. Even though the yeah. time is not even. Even though the time, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, incredibly, incredibly science fiction, but I mean, it really is like. I mean, who knows it? Who knows at this point? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Miss Shapeshifter Lady is nowhere to be found. Um, yeah, I mean, you got Miss Shapeshifter Lady, you got the Navy chasing unidentified flying objects in the ocean. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have the videos. It's not a myth anymore. Yep. So, I don't know. I've also seen a bunch of videos. I guess there's some, like, research project happening. I don't know, like, if it... I don't think it's a government organization. Like, I think it's an independent research company, but they're they're in the ocean like off the coast of like California and Mexico. Okay. And they're finding like these insane 
creatures that like have just never been found and that's probably not surprising because we don't really we don't know a lot about the ocean yeah. as is yeah as of now but like and they're getting it, i think it's real i don't know but there's these videos of these like massive jellyfish really these, like massive like stingray things holy shit like that just live really really deep down yep and just whenever like light from whatever they send down there is like shown on it they like light up in like a bunch of different colors wow it's like really freaky but that's also like a real life but seems like science fiction type thing damn that I is yeah that's not the name of the research project but yeah and the people like are seeing these things for the first time too who are like talking back and forth to each other yeah for the first people ever to see that right and yeah. like yeah they're just it's like something new every time wow which is just crazy wow. but that's incredible. Knows? Yeah, it's almost it's almost like we're living in a video game that you just like there's like new things to find. <laughs> yep, they yeah. just keep adding more. Yeah, it's just like they keep adding more and it's like, "Oh, we're going to go 12,000 feet in the ocean and go find something yep. new." It's like, well, but the, now you got to now you got to search like super far now. You can't just like you can't just like sail across the ocean and it's a whole new <laughs> land. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the comments were everywhere from like okay well you're not gonna tell me aliens are fake now like that's an alien <laughs> like with the i jellyfish. mean yeah yeah and then it was like look what god created and then it was <laughs> yeah. like yeah the, it was the like, difference real yeah like it's just very funny that is funny man i'll, yeah, I'll, have, to, I'll have to look that up okay nice yeah, yeah those are some good points but, yeah, anything else? That's all for me. Um, I'm going to go throw my head in this uh, pond that's right across the street. So. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm going to go do that and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I, I wish I could say I'll report back, but that might be impossible. Yeah. 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 Well, until I, until I come to your new city... Yes. This this will be This will be the form we're doing it, yep. Honestly it's pretty it's pretty even. I mean I mean it's pretty yeah. even like as far as sound as well, so hope hopefully the sound worked out. Um yeah. It's just one big experiment, everybody. Re I mean it really is, yeah. Yeah. We're just we're just out here playing a video game really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just NPCs out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter at World We Live Pod. Follow us on Facebook at World We Live In Podcast. Um, YouTube at World We Live In Podcast. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play as well. Um, go check out my buddy Sandman at Pair Reality. Um, yeah, Pair Reality on uh, Google Podcasts and um, I think Apple as well. I think, but. I know he's on Google. Yes. His last couple are really, really good. Yeah, he just interviewed a Bigfoot uh, researcher of some sort. Yeah. I, I haven't I'm gonna download it, maybe listen to it tomorrow. But um yeah, yeah, he's um great podcast, incredible dude, one of my has become one of my best friends. Um yeah. and so yeah, go, go go check him out, give him a follow. 
But um, until then, um, keep your head on your shoulders and <laughs> and eyes up. eyes up, head on your shoulders, and uh, me and Aaron will uh, chat with you next time. Take it easy.